Hey listeners, today our sponsor is our friends at Empire Flippers. We've been pals with the team behind this brand for years, and we've seen them become the largest curated M&A marketplace in the industry for buying and selling e-commerce businesses. If you're the owner of a profitable e-commerce store and you have ever thought about selling your brand for a massive profit, there's never been a better time than right now. You can check out what your e-commerce store is valued at by going to empireflippers.com slash valuation dash tool. Just answer a few simple questions and they'll give you an automated valuation based on real sales data from businesses just like yours that sold on their platform. On with the show. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast, the show where we interview growth-focused team leaders at D2C Brands we love to uncover their secrets to scale. I'm Eric Dick, and today we are really lucky to have Elena LeCue CMO of Drops, a D2C company creating green household products like laundry and dishwasher detergent. Drops was started as a retail-focused CPG brand in 2006, but has pivoted aggressively to D2C in the past few years exclusively so. And Elena oversees brand growth, revenue, and innovation for Drops, and they have seen some incredible uh, growth over the past three years since their switch to, to the D2C focus. So let's get into it. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Elena. I wanted to start just with your uh, what's been your biggest uh, insight that you, you've had in the past year uh, driving D2C growth with Drops? Yeah, I think the biggest insight for me was about uh, the importance of brand messaging in the UX experience directly influencing the revenue outcome that, you know, for the company. Uh, it's been amazing. You know, we'll talk about our rebrand, or I want to say brand refresh. It wasn't like a huge overhaul, but we fine-tuned and tweaked a few things, and we're able to see a direct impact on the revenue piece. And for me as a growth marketer, this is the most exciting thing. Amazing. Well, let's get right into it. Like, what, Can you talk about what some of those those changes were and, and what, what impact you saw them have? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm kind of going to talk about it on two fronts. The first one is the packaging and the messaging. And the second one is more specifically UX. And obviously, they are interconnected. So from packaging perspective, what's really, uh, really a huge point of differentiation for Drops is its super unique packaging, which is compostable. That is awesome. But it's also um, uh, Drops basically ships in its own container. So what it means is that you are not getting a box in a box. The box itself is, uh, you know, uh, is the shipping container. And that creates a lot of challenges and opportunities as far as the messaging on the box and the unboxing experience. So um, when we set about um, refreshing the brand, we said, okay, we want to make sure that the unboxing experience and that's super important from performance marketing perspective because this is where your influencers come in, right? And the way, and this is where your PDP comes in. Uh, so your conversion rate, your the success of your influencer conversion. So uh, we really uh, made sure that we thought about the unboxing all the way, and um, uh, to that effect, we included a really nice uh, kind of 
um, mission story um, that is reveals itself as a part of the unboxing. We included some fun visual surprise and delight elements uh, in the box. So all of this really came together. And um, again, from performance perspective, you really see that in the improvement of performance in our influencer campaigns. Um, and uh, definitely all of that translated to the website as well. Another piece of that is the messaging. So we are in the eco-cleaning space. And um, sometimes people think about us or brands like ours being in the sustainability space. I, um, I don't see it that way. I think we all uh, kind of play in areas that are related to the main need or the main functional benefit for the consumer, right? And in the end, consumers need clean products to clean. And this is even more important, obviously, um, since the start of the pandemic. So um, we had been communicating pretty effectively on the environmental benefits and the sustainability of drops proposition. We're saying, you know, we're, um, uh, we're saving water, we're saving carbon, you know, uh, the carbon uh, or reducing carbon footprint, uh, you know, fewer plastic jugs out in the environment. But we didn't talk as much about the uh, power of the of drops as a cleaning product. And mm. it's our formulas that are super effective. And uh, this is what lies behind the very high um, loyalty numbers that uh, we're seeing for um, us as a company. So we worked on um, brand positioning that we is kind of translated in manifested in the slogan that we currently use, which is powerful cleaning from nature, zero BS. And so where, zero, where BS stands for bad stuff, zero bad stuff, this is a little humorous twist uh, that uh, you know, is really part of uh, the unique branded identity that we have as a brand. I'm sure we'll talk more about our viral commercials with mm -hmm. our founder, Jonathan Popper. Uh, but I think the statement really brings to life the two aspects that need to uh, be balanced. It's the functional benefit of powerful cleaning and reassurance of zero bad stuff and uh, kind of the environmental effect that is implied there as well. So that got translated into all of the creative for all of our performance marketing campaigns, obviously to our website experience, to homepage hero messaging and all of that stuff, right? So this is the uh, packaging and messaging piece. Now from UX perspective, we did the overhaul of the website, uh, the backend stayed the same We're a Shopify website. Uh, but what we did is we really focused on our core funnel pages. We analyzed the whole funnel and uh, focused on the biggest opportunities for us. So for us, that was the um, homepage, obviously, that was the PLP or the collection pages of our products, and then the PDP experience and the cart, right? So these four big pillars of UX were really where we saw the biggest opportunity because obviously there's so many things you can always do. Uh, we have a very, very long list, but for the launch of the rebrand, we had to prioritize and we focused on these four kind of pillars. Um, and we did see a um, substantial increase in conversion after that uh, overhaul was completed. And we even saw that our new homepage 
outperformed our old landing pages for our paid campaigns. Wow. Uh, there's a lot, a lot. There's lots to unpack here. Uh, yeah. And start with the, the whole concept of unboxing and the, the product experience, which is which is really neat because your your unboxing experience, the word unboxing is actually probably particularly appropriate because you're literally on you're literally getting rid of boxes. Uh, you're get, or you're getting rid of that box within the box mentality, right? Um, can you give me a specific example of a way that in that unboxing experience you've you created delight? Because I think that's you nailed it when you say that. That's obviously what you're trying to accomplish. Anytime you you have an unboxing experience, you really want that feeling of delight. Can you give us a specific example of, of something you did there? Yeah, so um, a couple of examples. So one, it would be easier to show visually, but essentially when you um, open up the box, it's a modular box. It has two compartments and it sort of opens up like a butterfly. So in, that, in the middle of that butterfly, you have a very cute kind of designed space with a message about our mission that is signed by our founder, Jonathan Proper, and which is written in a very drops kind of, um, uh, you know, with some light humor, but also really warm, fuzzy feeling about what we're here to do. So that both influencers and consumers who have been exposed to this have uh, reacted very well to. Um, we also create, created something that is um, which is a visual element, we call it internally a power scope. Uh, what it is, it's kind of a symbolic um, expression of um, what the product is and does. And it is it has a kind of a similar structure, but it also is different by product type. So um, you might see, you know, the way Oxy Booster type of product creates, you know, sort of like bubbles and you will see bubbles in that treatment. Uh, in the dish, you will see kind of an outline of a glass. So kind of uh, hard to explain. If you look at the Drops effect. logo, if you're if you're listening to this, make sure you go look at the Drops logo, because I think that the Drop, it's sort of a, a theme that you probably took from that, because in the Drops logo is, you know, a real description of how you use the product. There is a Drop. Yeah. You drop a product. It looks like a Drop. Definitely Drops is a name that works really hard for us. And we did update the logo as a part of... Um, uh, the rebrand, but that power scope is just a, it's a very aesthetically pleasing, beautiful element, but that also works hard as far as uh, kind of symbolically explaining uh, the power of cleaning from nature, everything that's in this updated brand positioning and brand statement. It brings it to life in a visual way. And um, it's just kind of like a beautiful experience when you unbox. And then by the way, there is a uh, kind of a functional um piece there as well, um, you know, we try to leverage our website to the max and connect it as much as possible to the box experience. For example, we have a QR code for reorders at the bottom of the box. So imagine you're running out of pods, you have like maybe three at the bottom there, and you're seeing the QR code and it says time to order, go to drops.com. And obviously the QR code makes it easy. That's like an admin um, calendar mentality a little bit, right? Where you open it up day after day. And then only when you get to the part where you, mm -hmm. that's really a neat way to think about it. Yeah. And then, you know, the more people, the more obviously visits we get to the website, the better chances we uh, have at engaging the consumers on the website, exposing them to other products in our collection, and, uh, all of that. Um, and the other pieces, um, we didn't want to cram too much information 
on packaging as well and usage instructions for our, uh, for our product usage instructions are important um, but we um, uh, we printed a link simple link it's drops.com slash how to uh, where we said okay one pod per load um, you know drop it directly in the drum these are the two things everybody needs to know that are printed on packaging but uh, everything else, all the details and kind of different usage instructions for different products beyond these foundational um, instructions, all of that is in the how-to section of our website. And again, our packaging uses the link to, a simple link to point to that. And the more people go there, the more chances we have to convert and, uh, you know, keep them engaged. I'm really hearing the, uh, the cohesiveness of your whole approach is, is really critical. It's a really holistic approach where, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing people into the product, bringing them into the website and, and that you have a, a huge amount of consistency in your messaging. I imagine that's been a, a big, a big key to the success of all this. Yes. That, that was really the MO for the entire team. It was a, you know, beyond myself, it's the entire marketing team, but also the, um, dev team, a creative partner who worked on the project and um, big collaboration that took uh, longer than we thought and every single extra day was worth it. Amazing. Now, let's talk about the um, the two sides of eco products. Uh, one of them, I think, has got to be education. Just, you know, letting people know uh, you know, what goes into these products, what makes them different, what makes them better for the environment. But none of that even matters if the products don't work. So you've got to then, you know, I think back to the old like Tide commercials and, and, and things like that, where really you have people, you know, showing that these, you know, these stains are removed or, or things like that, yeah. that they actually work. So let's start with, let's start with the education piece um, and, and how, how critical that's been to sort of like bringing people into this sort of eco product mind frame. Yeah, I think, uh, Definitely, I think the first uh, key to success is simplicity of messaging and making the environmental impact extremely tangible. So for us, what does it mean? We're saying that thanks to all of our customers, we've been able to keep over 2 million plastic containers out of the environment. You see that, you kind of get it. You're like, okay, this is a compostable box. I could go and buy some Tide in a plastic container, but you know, really, um, maybe I could do better. So things like that are much more effective. Anything that's quantifiable, what you would call a marketing, a hard claim, um, so much more effective than more vague statements about you know our mission and vision, which is yeah. also important. But sometimes you know when you need to be to the point, uh, these quantified hard claims are really the way to go. And visual claims too. You know, you could say this, you know, it helps the ozone layer or something, but that's such an abstract concept for so many people. Or this this helps global warming or things like that. But that, that idea of tying it to a, the physical aspect of 2 million, you know, laundry jugs mm -hmm. is absolutely key as well, I imagine. Yes, absolutely. And then again, going back to what is the main functionality of the product, the cleaning power. I mean, the tried and true before and afters is something that absolutely works. Our products are, thanks to their formula, extremely effective. Um, some of the, I think, leading products as far as efficacy, uh, you know, there are, it, it's hard to make hard claims on that for multiple reasons, especially for a small company, but um, Drops has, you know, one thing I will say about Drops is that it's a company that prioritized R&D 
and the quality of the formula from the beginning. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to talk about our direct competition, but in general, many D2C companies are companies that are mainly marketing and growth companies mm. with um, you know a lot of functions like um, operations, supply chain, R&D, formulation, outsourced. Uh, and the whole, all of the powers and the brand drops because it's a brand that wasn't born yesterday. It's a brand that started like back in the nineties and that formula was developed and then subsequently upgraded since that time uh, has only gotten better. Um, plus we do have internal R and D capabilities, something that's really important for our company, um, the quality and the performance is there. So um, one of my, um, kind of uh, goals for uh, the coming months and the coming year is to further explore um, how the efficacy message can be relayed in different ways and, you know, test creative around it and things like that. Very cool. Why are top D2C entrepreneurs hiring accountability coaches? Commit Action will pair you with a dedicated coach to act as your second brain, helping you break down big goals and prioritize and execute consistently. Go to commitaction.com to give it a try. D2C newsletter readers get $50 off their first month of coaching with the code DTC50. Um, I just, I had a question too. I noticed here that you spent a lot of time at Danone, which is, uh, you know, one of the biggest corporations in the world. Uh, and I'm interested in just... Uh, some of the things that you took, you know, when you made the jump to a, to a D2C, uh, you know, digital first, digital, you know, D2C only mm -hmm. kind of brand, what I'm interested in what that transition was like, what are some of the things that you, you know, you love about the D2C space versus the, the more corporate enterprise space? And what are some of the things that you're really glad that you learned uh, while at Danone that you brought over to Drops? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, the rigor around things like brand positioning, um, you know, the, I, in a company like Danone, uh, brand managers, and I come from kind of like a mixed marketing and sales background, but I spent many years as in kind of the brand management track um, at a company like Danone, you get exposed to the PNL very early on and uh, you get, you actively manage the innovation process very early on. So for me, the most valuable skills that I brought over are um, the kind of like the rigorous approach to messaging you and brand positioning, you pointed out the consistency and that's definitely something that's been drilled in, into me since I was very young. And um, the kind of understanding of uh, finance, understanding of the PNL and um, uh, the being able to manage cross-functional innovation process. All of this, I am successfully applying uh, at drops and um, I'm grateful for that experience at Danone. Now, I'm just personally much more of a small company person. Even before Drops, I worked for a kind of small slash mid-sized supplement company. I'm just so much happier in a kind of leadership role, but within a smaller organization where everything is more human, more manageable. And uh, also, frankly, there is more growth and it's so much more fun. Cool. Uh, now let's talk about your growth a little bit. I see you've had a pretty crazy growth rate over the past three years. Um, and I know you weren't there at the beginning when, or when the, the, the decision was made to pivot uh, from retail. What I find interesting is it sounds 
uh, from my notes here that you that that drops actually exited the brick and mortar retail. Mo most companies I hear add at, will add the D to C to their to their portfolio and they'll they'll really you know focus on that. But but in most cases that I've heard they haven't they haven't actually exited out of the traditional brick and mortar retail. Uh, can you I know I know that wasn't your time, but can you speak to a little yeah. bit about about that decision? Yeah, I think Drops might be the only company that did that. Yeah, uh, it would be a fun fact. I don't know, <laughs> but definitely the only one I know of. Uh, so um, I wasn't there, but what I can say is that in 2016, our founder kind of got frustrated with the fact that the battle against the big CPG in a retail space is just is just so hard for a small family-owned brand. And, um, you know, they, even if your product, and granted, Jonathan Proper is the person who invented the pod. Another fun fact about Drops, not tied the first pod in the world or in America, it's yeah. Drops. Yeah, and yet it's, you know, it's really hard to win more shelf space without the trade muscle that the big companies have. So, uh, Jonathan, you know, saw the success at that time of um, companies like Dollar Shave Club, and he made a pretty visionary decision to pivot the company completely. Take, I mean, it must have been hard. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes to make the decision to take all of the product off of the retail shelves, uh, but he did it. And um, since then, the company has only seen consecutive um quarters of growth uh the company was you know everything the whole functioning of the company pivoted to align um itself with uh a d2c model most importantly the subscription model so you know website experience and subscription model was created on shopify and all of that it must have been you know just absolutely crazy transition it's hard for me to imagine that uh but kudos to jonathan who placed the right bet and you know the the proof is in the pudding. The uh, company has been uh, growing very successfully. Last year, we were on the Inc. 500. And, um, you know, I'm super optimistic about the opportunity. Amazing. So what do you attribute the, your, your ability to grow for, you know, these past three years to, to such a high degree? Like, what, what, are, what are the main factors in that, maybe aside from um, the, the rebrand that we've already talked about? Yeah, I think I'll first talk about the fundamentals. I think uh, number one is uh, the product experience. The quality, the cleaning power of the product is fantastic. And therefore, our loyalty numbers are very, very good. So, and, you know, this is at the core of success of any business, right? So we have people coming back. We have people positively commenting on social because the product experience is there. Uh, whether it's the cleaning power of the of the pods or the experience of having a cardboard box instead of the plastic jug that is, uh, you know, fits under your sink and, uh, you know, is just like so convenient getting the subscription delivered to you. So all of that is a must. And, you know, the, the company has very good fundamentals as far as product experience. And uh, I'm looking forward to extending that into other innovations and exciting things that we're going to come out with soon. Um, now, the second uh, growth uh, factor was definitely the viral commercial uh, that we refer to as the naked CEO, <laughs> but its real, it's real uh, name is the naked truth about laundry, which is available 
I think many of uh, people who are listening to this podcast probably have seen it. At if this you point. haven't, pause the podcast right now, and uh, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes to to the ad library. You have to go look at uh, at the naked truth about laundry. Yeah, it. Um, I'm hoping for at least a smile, but uh, it is a basically. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, it's basically Jonathan Proper who you know, gets into his birth suit um, and he talks about, you know, he, he dishes out the naked truth. While about, in the bath. Yeah, he's, uh, he's bathing uh, in the, you know, he's uh, bathing in his own product because it's so pure. And he's talking about all the unnecessary additives, colors, dyes, a long list of ingredients that um, the mainstream brands offer the water that goes in the jug that you don't really need and all of that stuff. So he kind of like talks about all of the BS. We like to talk about all sorts of BS, uh, all of that stuff yeah. uh, that's in there. And he does it in like his signature deadpan, Jonathan proper way, which um, has made him many fans over the years. It's amazing. And, you know, as, as a, as a fellow dad bod person, uh, you know, to, to see it, to see a dad bod in the tub, uh, you know, explaining these things in, like you say, in this total deadpan style, it's just immediately ingratiating. You want to learn about what he has to say, you know, and then, and then the, again, it's, it's about this cohesion about the fact that he's actually in the product right now. And that's how gentle it is, but how effective it is. It's, it all kind of uh, holistically just works so well. And it's, it's one of the best founder story, you know, executions I've ever seen. We talk to brands all the time that leverage their founders and their founder stories and their founder personalities um, in their marketing. But I don't think I've ever seen it done as effectively as, as you have with Drop. So, so big kudos for that. How, how, like, how did that come about? Was, was that like, you know, that, was that his vision? So we get this question all the time. So, you know, at this point, this ad has uh, over 3.9 million views or so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the comments are in the, I don't know, tens of thousands. It's, it's crazy. And um, I get, I read them every day myself and I respond to them myself. So if you see a response, most likely it was me. Um, and um, we always get the question, like, you know, which agency did it? Um, like, tell us, I want to work with this agency or whatever. So the truth, the fun fact is um, uh, Drops did it. I wasn't there, but Drops did it themselves and it's not even drops team it's specifically jonathan and his son ian who also works at drops they basically wrote the script together true story they shot the commercial in um you know in the home of a family member with a kind of a skeleton crew um the uh, uh, kind of one outside contributor uh was the uh, director michelle who did a fantastic job but you can see how it's kind of like very authentic kind of gritty lo-fi uh which is totally the drops aesthetic so um you know you could, you could no... have paid a hundred thousand dollars for that you know cost I mean, um, I think comparable viral videos in the D2C space can even go way beyond $100,000 based on some of the conversations I've had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just, it's more than just the genius of Jonathan and his son who have this really quirky, funny sense of humor, which is so unique. And, you know, for me, the my challenge as a CMO is, 
I mean, I don't even know how to top that, right? Mm. Like it's, we cannot rely on this commercial for, you know, the next 20 years, uh, but we actually in the next 10 days will be shooting something else. And, um, you know, I, we just need to, now with my participation, we just need to make sure that this kind of stands up to the, uh, to the ideal and benchmark that the Naked Truth has created. I love it. Can you talk a little bit about, so I imagine it's, it's an amazing top of funnel piece. It's got over 3.9 million views. What, what, what is your strategy um, after the fact to convert people? What kind of ads, what kind of funnels are you putting people through after they've seen that ad to bring them, uh, you know, home to a purchase? Yeah. Well, first of all, it converts really well, right? It's a, it's a, it's not just a click through play. Honestly, it's one of our highest converting, like best CPA ads. And so it doesn't like, you know, the funnel is pretty short. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it definitely then, you know, the retargeting kicks in for those that <clears throat> that uh, haven't completed the purchase. It's really in the quality of the website, right? Everything we've discussed about the optimization we've done to UX really comes into play once somebody gets interested uh, because of the ad and lands on the website. Um, for us, one of the uh, kind of this year, one of the big priorities is to make sure that they don't just end up buying a laundry product because this ad is about a laundry product, but they also become aware through navigation, through you know the PLPs and PDPs that uh, or some cross-sell upsell tactics that there is more more to drops than this laundry detergent, which is the core product. And you know, as our collection and assortment expands, that's going to be even more important. So. Um, I, you know, again, this ads performs great. This ad performs great. We also have a mid-funnel strategy with more functional kind of ads uh, or highlighting some other products in there. But it's really the quality of the website and what happens there. Um, when that, you say mid-funnel ads, do you mean, because one of the things that we see all the time are ads that, that really just show the product in use, you know, pe- in people's hands, into the laundry. These, these are the user-generated content style ads. Is that, is that mm-hmm. what you mean with your with this mid funnel strategy, or do you have a different kind of ad that you use there? Yeah, we have we have several approaches. So we do have uh, sort of UGC in use um, um, ads that perform decent. We also have the also a classic approach of testimonials. We have testimonials from um, consumers, you know, over ten thousand five star reviews type of nice. thing. We have a testimony. We have a campaign uh, with testimonials from the press. So sort of like press clippings from Forbes, um, the, stri- the strategist and you know publications like that that performs well. Um, and then um, we're experimenting now with different ways to talk about efficacy. Um, and some also kind of like side-by-side comparisons. You know, you can nice. buy a mainstream detergent in a plastic jug or this one in a compostable box and you get carbon neutral free shipping and stuff like that. Great. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about when you came, you, you came onto this company about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, it, it had all, all of this momentum kind of at that point. I think this creative strategy was, this video was launched before your time as well, or was that during? Yes. Yeah. That w- that was before the, it's a couple of years old. Before as well. So a CMO, when you came on, what was your first change that you made to, to drops marketing strategy? I think immediately kicking off, uh, work on brand refresh and kind of getting this coherent messaging together, doing consumer research that 
showed us again that cleaning efficacy is the number one concern when it comes to eco cleaning. Um, you know, getting some insights from consumers there and getting it, it was a project that took over six months, more than six months to get this messaging together, develop the design for the packaging, um, the website approach, all of that was a monster project that I really focused my first year, most of my first, I started in May, so pretty much until the end of the year. Um, that was my key um, kind of uh, key focus. And this focus uh, this year, the focus is on continuing uh, to improve uh, performance metrics on um, along the funnel. So a lot of test and learn from kind of organizational perspective. I also um, very much believe in uh, kind of smart processes as key to success. So what's been really working well for us this year is um, having our VP of growth, who is in my team, also play the role of kind of a product manager. So in our company, we don't have product manager as a standalone role, but our VP of growth really acts as a connecting hub between our UX, among our UX director, our IT and dev, um, our in-house growth marketing manager uh, to kind of like put all of and you know, other marketing uh, folks and other cross-functional folks just to put everything together and make sure that the strategic initiatives that we put in place um, are executed. We execute them. We use the agile approach. We do two-week sprints, which allow us to properly prioritize all of this work and you know, it took us some time, I think, in the previous year to kind of, as a lot of, a few new people got hired, you know, it took us some time to find our way. But now I feel like this approach works. And this kind of smart process for me was um, a big focus for at least Q1 of this year. Now I'm seeing it working. And now it's all about execution of uh, the priorities. And again, making sure that um, the UX properly supports exploration and discovery of products in our range beyond the core products of dish and laundry detergent. Love it. Uh, so I imagine with, uh, with your marketing, you've got a pretty healthy split between your paid advertising, your earned, uh, you know, your earned awareness that you get through things like PR and your, and your owned audience. Can you talk about roughly what that split is? Between, I mean, as most D2C companies, I think the, uh, Paid is um, remains a bigger engine of growth than organic. As far as PR, we uh, the way we work is we have an in-house PR manager who works for us part time, uh, an absolutely amazing person who also is so talented in so many ways, and he is also now contributing to our content strategy. You will start seeing him uh, in our um, new series that is called the Zero BS Home. Uh, our PR manager works with publications, uh, digital and uh, print to, um, you know, kind of uh, make sure that our voice is heard and we're represented in roundups for, you know, 10 best cleanup, uh, eco product, cleaning products and stuff like that. Um, it's an important, I really love having PR in-house, not relying on the agency. Uh, it's just so much like we're just turning things around so much faster. So many things like just don't get lost in translation. Um, I think that's so. A it's a great compliment. Yeah. I just don't know. Like, it's is it a huge growth engine? It's one of 
it's an important growth engine, but definitely not to the scale of paid, as I would imagine. And it, but it's also things that, if, as you mentioned in in your paid, that you can you use it to fuel your paid as well. It becomes one of those mid funnel strategies. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's the connection, right? Those ads um, mentioning press, kind of like press outtakes, press clippings, um, perform pretty well. Very cool. And then, what about owned? I, like in terms of your email strategy, you're obviously trying to uh, make people more aware of your full range of products. I'm sure that's a big part of it. Um, we always love to ask about about email strategies, and then as well as SMS. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So SMS is something we are uh, we just started very recently. So it was definitely you know our as far as priorities. We of course since last year we wanted to do SMS, but you can only do so much. And the brand refresh project was the big one we focused on. But we did kick off SMS um, this year. So don't have anything to report, but it's definitely something we want to um, you know we want to explore. And I am super optimistic about what this can bring. What we do as a team, we um, spend a lot of time collecting best practices, just great, you know, kind of SMS flows that we see as consumers. We take screenshots, we exchange, we have a, for email, same thing. We actually have an um, email account, which is like email drops.com where we just forward the emails that we like, but then the whole team gets to see that with our own comments. So that's just a, you know, small hack that works really well. Uh, email, definitely a huge low-hanging fruit for us. Uh, we've been uh, going much deeper into segmentation um, and, uh, you know, we worked, updated recently our cancellation flow, our first uh, time customer flow. Um, we updated all of the templates with the new look and feel on the brand that uh, actually translated into improved um, CTR on the emails. Um, and... I don't know. It's 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 really bad. There is. I feel like there is so much that can be done in email. You can go so deep. Um, we. I don't know. If we've. Um, we just haven't had the resources. I think to do to go as deep as we want to. But this year, this is changing again. One of our big priorities is to uh, have much more sophisticated email flows. Nice. Uh, one of the things I uncovered, you know, looking at your ads, was the sort of accidental. Uh, relationship you developed with Jennifer Garner, who's who's a, a favorite actress of mine. Uh, I saw I saw the video that she made uh, about her doing laundry. She's doing this kind of silly dance, and yeah. she's got drops in the background. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and how you capitalized on it? Yeah. So uh, what happened last year? I just I had just started at that time. Um, it was May. Everybody was going slightly crazy, you know, because of the pandemic. But we didn't really know what was ahead. <laughs> uh, and so people were just, you know, started doing all sorts of silly stuff and filming themselves on TikTok, but also on other platforms. And uh, by pure chance, because Jennifer Garner didn't, um, she didn't um, kind of, um, yeah, she didn't, she didn't tag us in the commercial, in, in that dance, but she made a dance video of herself in her laundry room with drops and boxes on the background. Somebody from our team, I don't remember who, uh, saw it. We had known that we knew that Jennifer Garner was a customer, but we had never been able to you know, have a, any kind of relationship with her. Uh, I wish I could say that after this dance, magically, you know, we're best friends and uh, you know, she does commercials for us for free. 
but um, you know, she it's not the case, but she still remains a satisfied customer. But what we did is that that inspired us um, to shoot a commercial where ja Jonathan did a not a spoof, but he actually like copied exactly what Jennifer did. But I guess with a few kind of like humorous twists uh, with a dog and, um, you know, all sorts of shenanigans that only Jonathan is capable of. Um, so it's amazing that it was such a seamless fit that her sense of humor in that video, you know, her dead, she yeah. just, she went deadpan and she's literally doing yeah. a dance that's like a drop. Exactly. It's just the same like a drop dance. Yeah, exactly. It was, a, it was like a drop dance. So when I saw that somebody told me, Hey, look at this. I said, Jonathan, tomorrow you're filming. I don't know how, but you're filming this tomorrow. So we just organized, like within 48 hours, we made it happen. And then that was also the first video that we came out with on TikTok for our account. We created our account and uh, put it out on TikTok. And then we also launched a dance challenge where we invited our followers and customers to dance. And every dance was a certain dollar amount of donation to Oceana, um, who's our biggest sustainability partner. So even though it wasn't like we created a direct connection with Jennifer Garner, but we capitalized on that and then it became an organic video it was an organic video it was our tiktok launch video it became a paid ad pretty high performing paid ad where we just had to cut it down a little bit and adapted the messaging so the ad would work so we got a ton of mileage out of this silly idea that i had to recreate the jennifer garner dance amazing um you know one of my one of my friends is ryan mckenzie the uh the cmo and co-founder of true earth and i was i was chatting with him uh, that i was going to be doing this podcast with you guys and, and it, it brought up an interesting point I, like how do you view uh co competitors in this uh sort of green uh eco space yeah so it's a great topic we love our competitors in the green eco space uh because, and we actually, uh, there was a point in time last year where we did a post about it on Instagram, which was one of our highest engagement posts of all time, hmm. where we essentially said, hey, like, you know, competition doesn't matter. Like the more eco cleaning brands there are, the more change we can, the faster we can create a change. So totally. we're all... All of, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but we truly believe that we're all in this together. So you will never see drops um, making, let's say, competitive comparison to another green uh, competitor uh, or, you know, yeah, kind of trying to establish some kind of superiority over, you know, over somebody else who is fighting the same fight. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say that of every brand in our space, but this is definitely the approach that uh, we take and a lot of um, other green cleaning brands take, uh, take as well. So uh, that's what we believe in. And, you know, what's the point? Like, the opportunity is so big for all of the like green cleaning challenger brands out there. The home care market is so massive that yes. honestly, like fighting for, you know, a few points of market share between ourselves. Like why? Why? Makes no sense. It's tied. It's the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's the big it's the big dogs that have the the ninety percent market share or whatever they have that that you both benefit from eating into, right? Absolutely. 
Yep. Uh, we've got a couple wrap-up questions here, but before we get to, to those, I just wanted to ask about Amazon a little bit. I, I, I understand one of the things I found out about you is you've got a little bit of a side hustle going on. You, got, you, you, you know, Amazon is something that you're very intimately familiar with. I just wanted to ask how Amazon, uh, how, how you view Amazon in, in your marketing funnel. Yeah. So for me, I've managed Amazon, even like outside of my little Amazon brand that I have um, on the side, uh, I've managed Amazon sales in an omni-channel space for, I don't know, the past maybe seven years of my career. So, uh, you know, been around the block with that that platform. Um, I want to say that for us drops, not every D2C brand is on Amazon. Some of them are. I know most D2C brands ask themselves the question, the way I see Amazon strategy is really, it's about an opportunity, having a, an opportunity to bring new customers into the fold. So I really see it as a trial channel and, you know, take it for what it's worth, right? Because uh, of course, you know, the profitability on Amazon is uh, different. Um, you need to play a lot of cards right for your Amazon strategy to be successful. There's a whole like art and science to that, which you need to execute really, really, really well. But if you do, it's an, you know, it's a, it's, it's a really unique opportunity to um, convert away from those mainstream brands that you are, um, you know, looking to convert from uh, and also get to that more mainstream um more mainstream customer, you know, like we have customer segmentation and the customer that buys, let's say Tide is not gonna be as likely to give their credit card for a D2C subscription, but they still shop on Amazon. So at this point in time in, you know, 2021, this might be your only chance to ever speak to them or ex expose your product to them. Of course, you know, like I would be remiss to say that there is one uh, something that we're working on is um, working on the certification for shipping in own container because having our box arrive in an Amazon box is I don't particularly love that, but there are ways around that. Um, I think there is, um, you know, more kind of pre not pressure, but the more sustainable uh, brands are successful on Amazon, the more it pushes Amazon itself to um, increase its sustainability profile and just in general, you know, the sort of, you know, fair compensation and all of the practices uh, that, uh, you know, Amazon undertakes. Yeah. So um, uh, for us, we actually developed a uh, smaller trial box size specifically for Amazon. We, you know, it will probably make its way to our D2C as well, but we, if, almost like tested it out on Amazon with a, with a price point of under $15, um, again, as a conversion vehicle. So like for, for most people I talk with in my network, you know, when they ask like questions about D2C, omni-channel strategies, I always say, well, what can Amazon do for you as a trial vehicle and how can you adapt your assortment? Definitely don't put like all of your whole catalog out there, right? Like what are the flagship products you have uh, can they be available in a smaller size at a lower price point? Can they be available at a, like in a bundle, like a variety pack? People love that on Amazon as well. That works really well. Um, so definitely you cannot just, you know, apply whatever you have on D2C straight on Amazon, but with some smart tweaks and really knowing what you're getting out of the platform and the price you have to pay as far as fees and profitability. Um, I think all of that can come together in a kind of a coherent 
digital omnichannel strategy for a B2C brand. That's great. Uh, and I, 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 I haven't actually heard that yet. Uh, and I, and I, really, I really think that's a smart move. And especially when you've invested so heavily in your entire website experience and your, you know, your ability throughout the product experience to get them onto your website. Uh, so, so that you will, you know, you, you use Amazon to, to fish where there are a lot of fish, uh, you know, have the right mm -hmm. bait for that audience and then, and then really do everything that you can to kind of move them over to the website experience if you can. Yeah, exactly. Because again, remember I have that QR code, there is a QR code on the bottom, yep. which is also on the packaging that goes to Amazon because it's the same packaging, which says you're out of product time to reorder. And it doesn't go to Amazon, it goes to the website, right? So it's Smart. one of the things we thought about as we, you know, when, when we uh, develop the packaging. But I also understand some, you know, whether for sometimes ethical reasons or like, I don't know, sometimes D2C brands choose to stay away from Amazon. And I think it's totally fair. It's not the same answer for everybody, but I'm kind of more pointing out, this is, if you wanted to, this would be potentially the way to think about it as um, a way of, to bring more people into the fold. Very cool. All right. Well, we could go on all day with this, but I know we're, we're pressed for time here. Uh, so if people want to know more about drops, uh, what's the drop the URL for us, let us know how they can try this amazing product uh, at home. Yeah, drops.com. Uh, we also offer a 30 day risk free trial and uh, you're going to get the best price if you're subscribed. Nice. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on today, Elena. We'll have to uh, catch up again soon. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. This is awesome. It was great, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Okay, cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this has been another great D2C podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you go to directtoconsumer.co. You can subscribe to our weekly, twice weekly newsletter filled with amazing insights that we pull from these podcasts. Uh, and then also make sure to rate us on all of the applicable platforms. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating anywhere you can. Uh, and otherwise, we'll catch you on the next podcast. 